0: your word on his wisdom and lord would you open our hearts and our minds now to receive all that you have for us this evening holy spirit enliven us and change us for your world jesus Amen. amen thanks lydia it's great to know who lives upwind from the church isn't it good to see you all this evening um I'm uh, I'm Matt. For those of you who don't know me, and uh, yeah, we're going to be continuing um, uh, the series on the I Am sayings from um, John this week, and looking at the bread of life. Um, but I was just thinking, as we were just hearing about the kids' work, that um, uh, sometimes it really just like is great to be reminded of how um, simple the gospel is, how simple the, the sort of um, the truth of Jesus is in our lives. And I think actually the, the passage we're going to go through today goes. That makes that point clear but it's just so great to be reminded that like really young children not even just teenagers like little kids can have have pictures from God and have a real relationship with him and um like let's keep that in mind that it's perhaps not as complicated as we make it and there's great depth to be explored and nuance to be found and insight to be found but um the basics of the gospel are, are, are able to be grasped by young children and, and God loves the relationship with them as much as with us he, he calls them to him and so as we come to this this morning, I guess I just want to draw us back to that. Um, who do you think um, Jesus is? And, and, and really, as, as human beings exploring Christianity at whatever stage you're at, there's just really a couple of questions, which is like, have you heard about who Jesus is? Like, do you have the information? And, and then do you think it's true or not? Do you think he is who he says he was? And, and if the answer to both of those questions is yes, and it won't be for everybody here, it just has to change everything. There's no sort of like middle ground outcome where it like moves some things in our lives a little bit, but it doesn't, um, you know, rip up the foundations of um, our vanity and our weakness and our ambition and everything about how we see the world. So have a think about like, are your answers to those questions yes and yes? And and if they are, um, then does your life align with the fact that you think that, you know, if you think Jesus was who he says he was, um, does it feel like you're living that out? And if it's not, um, just ask God as I'm speaking to you, um, to, to reveal what that would look like. Um, and if the answers are like no to either of those questions, um, then again, I would implore you to just say like, God, if you're there, reveal yourself. Uh, like if you're there, it really matters. And I want to hear from you. Um, I guess really the one question this afternoon, this evening is, um, how much do you believe in the all-sufficiency of Jesus, that he is everything that you need? You just say that again. How much do you believe in the all-sufficiency of Jesus, that he is everything that you need? Because we're all going to be at different places, and some of us might feel like we don't believe Jesus is needed at all. And some of us might think, yeah, it's like important for my identity. Um, like Being a Christian is part of a variety of things that make me who I am. And um, perhaps you think that Christianity is like really good for sort of like family values or societal values. Um, perhaps you think that you have seasons where you really believe in this stuff and seasons where you, you just don't. Um, or, or perhaps Jesus like really is your everything and you're walking with that day by day. It's just like really important as we come to the Bible to actually think about where we are and not just to view it in the abstract. When Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, to really think about what that means relative to where you are as an individual right now. And so it's going to be sort of like three points in this, which is that um, firstly, that Jesus, um, in saying he is the bread of life, is saying that he is essential, that he is everything that we need. And secondly, that when Jesus says he is the bread of life, he's calling us to like look beyond just the scene and know what is unseen, that there's more to life than just what meets the eye. And thirdly, from like a time perspective, bread of life, that Jesus is calling us to have an eternal perspective on the world and uh, on our lives as he calls us into relationship with him. So we're going to be reading from John 6. And just to give like a little bit of context as we come to the passage... um, Earlier on in chapter 6, Jesus has fed the 5,000, um, which is probably one of his sort of most famous miracles. And I feel a bit sorry for the uh, feeding of the 4,000, which is also in the Gospels, because it literally gets... Because whenever people are thinking of preaching, they're sort of like, well, obviously I'm going to go for the one with more people. Um, but there's actually two times that he does these miracles of providing people with um, with bread and fish. Um, and so in this slightly earlier bit of, of the chapter we're in, Jesus has... Um, Spoken to the people and then said, like, look, the people are hungry and sent the disciples out to work out um, sort of where they can get some food from. And Philip has sort of said, like, there's nowhere local. They, you know, this is before the days of um, little." Um, and uh, they, they come back and they've got only five loaves and two fish. And yet miraculously, that feeds 5,000 men alone. This is in slightly more perhaps patriarchal days, but um, probably 12,000 people perhaps in total and brought this food to them. And so that's the context that we come to this passage in. Um, So let's read this, and then we'll pray, starting at verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, "Well, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign will you then give, that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, It is not Moses who was given bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. As we just come to this passage and hearing about you say that you are the bread of life, the bread of life for us, Jesus, I just um, surrender everything apart from your word right now. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would come in power right now and speak to us. Lord, we pray that your presence would be really apparent here, so apparent that people who perhaps aren't sure if they know if you're the bread of life would know you so deeply right now that they would come to know you, come to be in a relationship with you, Jesus, knowing that you love them. Lord, I just pray that your word would be the loudest voice in the, in the room this evening. Just speak to us, Lord, we pray. We're, we're listening. We want to hear from you. We want to know you more deeply. Amen. So, I wonder what you think is essential, and I wonder what your concept of essential is in life, because I think that this really impacts how we think about uh, Jesus saying he is the bread of life. Because in this context, like bread is one of the only foods they've got. In fact, in the previous passage, they've literally had to rely on a miracle even just to get that bread and the fish. And we hear about how the Israelites were wandering around in the wilderness uh, in Exodus 16, and again, God provided them like manna, which is like bread without yeast in it, bread from heaven, to supply their every need. And so, for them, the idea of like Jesus being the bread of life—it's pretty obvious that that means that He's saying He's essential. But I think like we live in quite a distorted time of what's essential. Here are a few things that are in the Waitrose Essential range. Artichoke hearts, cappuccino mousse, baby avocados, champagne flutes, stuffed green olives, and Cypriot halloumi. I tried to actually pick foods that over the course of the list moved slightly towards the, uh, the Middle East, so it got towards Palestine with the halloumi almost. Um, LAUGHTER I suppose the point is that our idea of what is essential is so distorted by the fact that we have way too much of most stuff. And so like, the overall value of things just gets twisted. And we can't actually then look at things and say, like that truly is essential. I truly couldn't live without that. Because like 90% of what we have, in our society at least, is completely extraneous, useless stuff that's just clogging up our lives. Our idea of essential has been distorted massively. It's not just food. Uh, it's things like, like holidays. You know, we think, we'll I have a right to a holiday, or I have a right to a car, or an iPhone, or, um, like, Netflix. Or I was, in, I was hearing a comedian the other day talk about Amazon Prime saying that he would literally pay just whatever Amazon charged him for it because it's just definitely worth it because it's just critical. He's like, I don't even look at the bill because I just know that I couldn't live without Amazon Prime. And, and he's, he's just so wrong. He's, he's like, you could, like, get parcels other ways or, like, wait two days. It's pathetic. Or, like, can, an, another, another example, canapes at weddings is, like, a thing that I think is deemed as essential. For, like, any of those of you who are, like, planning weddings, uh, um, we did this a couple of years ago and... Canapes are just viewed as like an essential thing, aren't they? And it's like a morsel of perhaps 50 calories at most that you put in your mouth. And as a guest, you sort of think nothing of it. But that was probably like a five or a pop. And they're just, they're just going the whole evening. And, and like, when it's your wedding, you're just looking and you're being like, that's cash. That's just, it's just going. It's just going. So our idea of what's essential has, has been lost a bit, is the point here. But the Israelites really got it a little bit more than we did, at least, but not fully Um, So in Exodus 16, as I referenced, they're wandering around the wilderness uh, for, for 40 years, trying to find the promised land, having escaped from Egypt. And they're completely relying on a daily basis for this manna that comes from heaven, this bread that comes from heaven. And Jesus uses this, as well as the miracle he's just performed in this chapter, to anchor them and to get them to realize also where they are missing the point. So we see them say, you know, will you just give us this bread always in verses uh, 31 to 35. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so that... The, the, what's happened here is the Israelites, even now, even after like a couple of thousand years of sort of like rabbinic teaching and being able to dig into that formative time in their history, have still like got it wrong. They're still thinking that it's because Moses was there that they got the manna from heaven. They still sort of think that it was the leader they could see in front of them that was giving them that food, rather than just realizing that it was God feeding their every need. And then notice also how they say, sir, always give us this bread. Like, people are really hungry for, for food in this world, and I sort of mean that more in the spiritual sense. That, like, people are looking for something that genuinely is essential, that genuinely cuts through um, all of these things that just so evidently aren't. And a lot of us will build our lives and perhaps build our careers on things that we hope might be essential so that when we achieve them, like, we have become, like, sort of, like, one essence. We have sort of truly... Felt like enlightened or fulfilled in what we're doing. But the reality is that like, when we get those things, as as I think we probably all know, it feels a bit hollow. And I think that's something in our hearts and in our the fact that we're made in the image of God that's teaching us like this stuff is not enough. Jesus is the bread of life. And I think this actually also goes back to two chapters ago, John four, uh, the woman at the well, um, who Jesus who Jesus asked to draw him water. And he promises that he can offer water that won't leave her feeling thirsty in the way that this water will. So the first point is that when Jesus says he is the bread of life, he is saying that he is completely essential, that he's the cornerstone. And so maybe the image to think about here is if you think about like the big blocks of your life, maybe it is your job or your family or your, your hobbies um, or your partner, um, and you think of those as blocks, and maybe you've got the Jesus block. But if I took the Jesus block away, you know, if, if if somehow someone could just show that Christians are just wrong and Jesus wasn't who he said he was, would everything else fall apart? Would it lead you to question everything? Would it change the way you viewed the world? Or would actually like a lot of stuff just carry on as it is at the moment? Because if that's the case, we're living in a really hollow, watered down gospel. And Revelation 3.16 says, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth, God says to us. He's saying, like, this is a real thing. Like, I didn't send my son for it to to die for you and to rise again and conquer death. For you to sort of view that as a a vaguely important thing that might be formative of Western civilization, right? He's saying this is critical. This is the heart. This is the, the... cumulative revelation of the whole bible comes to this point do you believe i am the bread of life and what does it mean for you and secondly that jesus is encouraging us to like look beyond the bread that we see sometimes on our plate to think about the world more in terms of what we don't see as well as what we do see we're so obsessed aren't we with with individual experience we're so obsessed with like the the bucket list mentality um I went, went travelling to South America with Ben um, after uni and another of our friends who's not here, so it doesn't matter who he is, he's called Ed, he used to come here. We um, went to Brazil uh, amongst other places and the whole time we were there, all of us, but it has to be said, particularly Ben, was ticking off sort of these like key things that you must see, the Iguazu Falls and Lake Titacaca and, and things like this. It's that mentality, wasn't it? Of like, this, these are the sort of free days of our lives. What can we experience? Like, what can we get hold of? And like, that's just true in the world. And it's understandable. It's what like we see, right? So it's like experiences. Maybe it's like money or sex or jobs or like food, as we've discussed. And these things aren't inherently bad. Like, God has given us good gifts to enjoy. But I think what happens is they take our eyes off the main event, which is not seen. Jesus is not walking around in front of us right now. Like, we have, like, the bricks and walls of a church, but they're not, like, the thing itself. And as an example of this, um, it was the Super Bowl last weekend, um, which is a, a sort of American cultural event of some sort of sporting variety, I think. Um, and when I look at, the, like, the Super Bowl, what happens um, every year, as I understand, I've ne- I actually never watched it. I, I sort of follow every single sport, unless it's sort of American, and then I sort of, I know not to, broadly. Um, but, but what happens is, sort of, there's like five hours um, of, like, adverts and events and sort of cultural things, and then there's like a few minutes where people are, like, throwing, throwing the ball around and running with the ball. Um, and what happens is, like, the big thing with the Super Bowl is who, who sang at half-time? Like, who was, like the, who was the singer at halftime? Was it, like, Rihanna? Was it Beyonce? Like, did they get paid 90 or $100 million for doing it? Like, that's, like, one of the big things. And so I think if, if I were a true American sports fan like Joe Coleman, he's probably livid at me for slating uh, the NFL, um, I'd be saying, oh, it's detracting from the main event. It's like I can't actually get to, like, the main bit, which is what I'd want to watch for hours. Uh, and I say this because I'm like a purist cricket fan, and I basically just want to go to Lords and sit down for five days in a row, and for very little to happen, apart from sort of like, a little bit of like a little bit of that, for five days. And I don't really even want there to be like a trumpet in the crowd, or for there to be like music playing in between overs. I, I just want cricket. I'm just there for the main event. And so when we look at this passage, like Jesus is sort of saying, are you actually seeing the main event, even if it's not necessarily what's seen? Verse 26. Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, which is a title Jesus uses for himself, will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. The point is that the loaves themselves, the sort of like supplication for the people, was not actually the main thing Jesus wanted to do. Like, he cared about the people being hungry. And when Jesus healed the sick, I believe he healed the sick because he doesn't want people to be in pain. But even more than that, he's revealing the kingdom of God. He's showing us what, what it will be like when everything's restored, when like, all the mess that we have, as humans have created is restored once and for all. Um, and that therefore, we often focus, don't we? Um, I don't know if you've ever seen like a, a, a miracle or, or been maybe an event or a service where one has happened, but often we can focus just on like what happened in that moment, what happened right there, rather than like wh- what does this tell us about what, what life could be like, what life will be like, what's the hope that this actually gives us that we can't necessarily see with our eyes. And so Jesus is encouraging us here to, to think about what we cannot see, rather than just what's in front of us, the food in our stomach. 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve says it like this. Now we see only as a reflection in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. And so we have these glimpses, just as the people did in Jesus' time, of like heaven. You sometimes hear like Christians talk about like heaven breaking into earth, like breaking through that sort of like divide that's broken up. Um, C.S. Lewis talks about the great divorce between um, heaven and earth and the sort of gap that's appeared, and how one day that gap will, will be closed. But I guess like, we can easily get discouraged, can't we, when we think of Jesus saying he's the bread of life, but I just can't see it. I'm seeing like, moments in my life where it feels like I'm closer to God, or it feels like he's speaking to me. But overwhelmingly, we can get discouraged by like, the absence of things, the things that aren't happen, the things that we aren't able to see. And that can leave us in a pretty sort of desolate place, but the encouragement here is, like, yes, this is not how it's meant to be. Like, th- that is our doing. We live in a messed up world. But then we will see face to face. So the encouragement here is to, like, try and shift our perspectives to one where we're not just focused on what we see in front of us. Um, later on, again, in, in, John's, um, in John's gospel in chapter 20... Doubting Thomas, as he's known, it's, 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 you don't want to be one of the uh, people in the Bible that ends up with like a really negative nickname. I think you don't want to be that guy. You, want to be, like, yeah, you just don't want to be that Peter the Denier. You know all this sort of stuff. John 20, uh, Thomas says, like, unless I see this risen Jesus that everyone's talking about, he's risen from the grave, until I see him and I touch the the wound in his side from the the spear, and unless I feel the the wounds in his hands from the nails on the cross, I won't believe this. And when Jesus then reveals himself, um, he says to Thomas and the disciples, um, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So how would your life be different if you relied on Jesus in the unseen as well as the seen? How would your life be different if you knew that Jesus is the bread of life for you, he's everything you need, and he's the perspective to go into the world? And thirdly, there's this eternal element to Jesus saying that he is the bread of life, that Jesus is our certain hope for the future. Verse 27, again, he mentions that, he says, do not work for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life. He knows that the food that we're relying on on a daily basis just, like, is is shallow. It doesn't ultimately satisfy. And that's true, I think, like, let's not just think about food. Let's maybe think about, like, philosophy. Let's think about the, the ideas and the values that we get given in this world. And a lot of it is about, like, you do you and, like, do whatever, like, makes you happy. And, like... For me, that, I, I see that increasingly as, as so obviously flawed because how do I know what's best for me when I am so deeply flawed? It's like a paradox. But the world wants to affirm, like, follow your instincts, do what you want to do, and, and that will, like, give you everything you need in this life. But the shallowness of that is, is made really uh, clear, I think, by how Jesus speaks here. And the way he does this is he then starts to tie it to... Um, what we call like the Eucharist, but really the last supper um, that comes just before Jesus is crucified. If you move with me slightly beyond the passage we read, um, because I just didn't want to read for sort of like 10 minutes, um, but verse 47 to 51, very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as mentioned earlier, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which people may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The promise Jesus is giving us is he's saying, if you rely on me, if you put everything in me, I won't just fulfill you in this life. I won't just guide you through the situations you've got. And sometimes our view of Christianity becomes about how does it fix stuff in my life right now? How does this like, bolt-on that I've got help me a bit? Maybe you've talked to um, non-Christians about this stuff before. Maybe if you're not a Christian, you think this about Christianity. You, someone tells you they're a Christian, and you say, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm glad for you. Like, that's, that's good for you. But, but like, what we actually believe is that um, it's like a bit of an all-or-nothing thing. And if you're in, then you're in for eternal life with Jesus, and he's coming back. That's the reality we believe in. It's it's nothing softer than that. And I think sometimes as a church, we've got this wrong. And at the weekend away, I've shared this picture with a couple of people here. Um, I I sort of had this picture of like, if you imagine a church, um, perhaps, well, I mean, we couldn't be in a better place to do that, could we? Um, If you imagine a church um, and you think about like a a door in and a door out. So you imagine like that door as it once was, the door in and this, the door out. I think what we've often got wrong in, like, the church with, a, maybe, with Big C is either the door in has been too narrow or the door out has been too wide. And by that, what I mean is that the church is a place where all are welcome. Like, it doesn't matter where you come from, and it doesn't matter how big the mess is in your life, and it doesn't matter what, um, like, race or sexuality or gender or job you have or family background you have. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. You are so welcome here. Come and be loved. Come and be known. Come and meet with a living God. The door in should be way wider than the church has often made it. Way, way, way wider. But another heresy that the church has fallen into at times is making the door out just as wide, if not wider, than the door in. In other words, saying does anything need to change? We don't want to like challenge you too much. We don't want to move anything in your life. We don't want to shake the foundations too much. And so what happens is people come in and out of a church and it's a conveyor belt and it's not changing anything in our lives and it's not changing anything in the world and we're not seeing revival in the nation because it's not doing anything for us. It's not actually changing us and transforming us. And Jesus' promise is is not believe and be static and stay as you are. It's like believe and be changed and know the good news. And so I just want to encourage us as we think about that eternal hope, that as we focus on that, it has to transform us. It has to change the way we view things. It has to mean that we don't care as much about the things that, that will pass away, because it will all pass away. Verse 53, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So next time, perhaps, when, we, when you come to communion and you, you come up to the front of church and you take that bread and that wine, like, really think about what Jesus has done for you. Really think about how dependent he wants you to be on him in your day, in how you spend your time, in how you think, but in your eternal destiny in where you're going. And as I start to wrap up, um, as I was like thinking and praying about this passage, I was drawn actually to um, 1 Samuel 21, which if you want to have a look there, it's further back. Um, What's happened is David has fleed from Saul. Um, Saul is the king. David is the sort of heir apparent. Um, He's been anointed. He's going to be king. Uh, and Jonathan, uh, Saul's son, has said, yeah, my dad, he's just jealous of you, you just need to get out of here for your own safety. And so David flees, uh, and he finds in the sort of wilderness, Ahimelech the priest. Himelech is a sort of, that's the sort of biblical name we weren't quite ready for when we had a baby. We, we went for Jesse in the end. Ahimelech was like, we're not quite that edgy. Ahimelech the priest, David's with him. And David goes to the priest and says, give me the five loaves of bread or whatever is here. But there aren't just normal loaves of bread lying around in in the wilderness. All the priest has is holy, consecrated bread. And so because David has kept himself pure on the way there, it says the priest gave him the holy bread, the bread of the presence. And I think that prophetically, there's something really powerful about this passage. How strange is it that David asks for five loaves of bread just as the people have been focusing on the bread that they've received in the, in the, um, uh, after Jesus has given his sermon in John 6. And how strange is it then that the priest, and read Hebrews to find out about how Jesus is, is called the high priest in the order of Melchizedek, how strange is it then that the priest gives him the bread of the presence. Now that bread of the presence may not have done anything for David in that situation. It, it was just sort of like holy bread. But when Jesus comes, the promise is... Yeah, have your five loaves by all means, but I give you eternal life if you believe in me. Feast on me feast on the bread of my presence. So there's something calling us from from you know, a thousand years before this of David in one Samuel saying like it's not just about like the five loaves anymore. It's about the bread of the presence we often just come to God thinking about our physical needs. We often come to him just thinking about our, our daily needs, and he cares about those. We pray, give us today our daily bread. But He also really cares about where we're going. He also really cares about where we're going to be when this all finishes up and when Jesus returns. And I was speaking to a friend earlier and we were talking about how when we talk to our friends, sometimes there are these, these moments where we can be a bit more honest and we can say, if you're not putting your trust in Jesus, like, you're not going to be in heaven. Like, I can't give you that guarantee. If you put your trust in Jesus, I can give you that guarantee. I want you to be there with me. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to know that those people are not going to be with us. So do we have that eternal perspective as we look at the world? Do we have that urgency in our hearts? So I'll just end by reading that question I said at the beginning. How much do you believe in the all-sufficiency of Jesus, that he is everything you need? Why don't you stand with me?